Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. Normally, we'd have a fight to break down, but instead, we're going we're gonna to be talking the coronavirus. We're going to be talking Charles Dubronx, Oliveira, Cage Warriors 113, a special Q&A with our fans. And uh, Shaq, normally it's going down this Saturday, but uh, it's going down all month, all week. Uh, how you been? Uh, how you been dealing with things, my man? Man, yeah, you know, uh, just got to stay safe. Uh Make sure we're all staying clean and, uh, you know, not trying to put ourselves in uh, danger to spread the, possibly get it and possibly spread it around. So, you know, I uh, just got to stay safe. But, man, it's been a time where you just, everything's on hold. You can't really do anything. And, uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation because, you know, uh, the world, some of us have never really experienced anything like this before where, you know, work is shut down and, you know, uh, some certain people can't work, uh, you know, uh, there's food not in the stores. So it's a crucial time out here in these streets. And uh, I think it'll be oh, I think it'll pass over, but uh, and everything will get back to normal. But, uh, man, it's a uh, it's a crazy virus. Yeah, it really is, man. I mean, I think, you know, knock on wood, young people like me and you aren't going to be affected. But it ain't about us. It's about our parents, our grandparents, the older generation. I mean, it would be a it'd be a travesty to see them all, you know, god forbid die off so we don't want that to happen so don't be a spreader you know stay inside do the right thing and don't go out unless you absolutely need to unless it's been clear that this thing has passed so man anyone really going through it we uh we, we got your back for sure but on a more positive note charles dubronx Oliveira went out there last week Shaq, and uh not only did he extend the streak for most submissions in UFC history to 14, but he also broke the record for most performance of the night bonuses in UFC history at nine. I mean, the guy, now he's in the top 10 in the UFC lightweight division. Top eight, top eight between you and me. I mean, look, it's only going to be big fights from here on out, more main events. And uh, before we talk about who he should fight next, what was your assessment of uh, another great finish by Charles Dubronx Oliveira in a main event spot? Yeah, I mean... You know, once Kevin missed that weight by two and a half pounds, it was kind of, uh, you know, a little a red flag. I mean, Kevin's a guy where, you know, things need to go perfectly. And uh, it's unfortunate to see him keep making, you know, stupid mistakes like that. And, uh, you know, Charles has been getting better. Now Charles can strike. Now Charles is not folding in those positions where he used to, you know, in the past. So when he got on the mat, maybe he, uh, you know, folds up and, 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 and looks for his way out. But, man, since he turned 30, since he had his daughter, you know, uh, he's been making gains in that aspect of the game. And his stand-up, man, you see those uppercuts that he's ripping, those straights, the, the flying knees, you know, the, the jump kicks. I mean, this guy uh, is improving, and he's a bad matchup for a lot of guys because, I mean, look, the thing is, if he gets on top of you, there's no guarantee. Or even if you get on top of him and, uh, you know, take a bad shot, I mean, there's no guarantees that any of those guys can get out the sub. I mean, that's just facts. So, you know, Charles is a bad matchup for those guys. And it, like I said, his stand-up is improving. So look out for Charles. Man, he's looking unbelievable. And the most important thing to me about Charles right now is that not only is he taking shots better than he ever has, but those bad spots on the mat where, you know, he'd come out with the little jujitsu series, run you through it, and if you can survive, I know you remember the Paul Felder fight, you know, chances are you can come back and smash the guy, even some of his older losses, but dude, I feel like this current streak, whatever's been happening mentally with this guy, Charles Oliveira, this is the best version of him that we have ever seen. I've never seen Charles Dubronx Oliveira more comfortable, more confident inside the UFC's octagon, and that's why he's having the kind of performances he is. 
that work he did on the feed against Kevin Lee, man. Well, you know, all three judges had him up 2018 going into the third round. They all had him up two to nothing. And there's a reason behind that because those three to four minutes of just whooping the guy on the feet where I thought Kevin Lee was about to get knocked out with some of those right hands, some of those uppercuts, some of those flying knees. And then Kevin Lee would take him down, would get on top, would barely do anything with the top position. You know, land a couple shots. But in my opinion, Shaq, it didn't override everything that Charles Dubronx Oliveira did up on the feet up until that point. Yeah, I mean, the judges saw that way. I thought the first round was a lot. The second round was one-sided. You know, Charles was definitely uh, getting that one. The first round, you know, he was uh, getting the better on the feet and uh, even controlling up from bottom, you know, for most of that round. So I, I agree. And, uh, man, Charles Oliveira, like I said, is a bad matchup. I want to see him fight Cerrone next, man. I want to see him in there with the 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 guy with the most wins in the UFC. Does he have the most wins in the UFC? He's got the most bouts. Most fights. He probably has the most wins between you and me. Who's got the most wins? Cerrone, most wins in UFC history, most finishes, most post-fight bonuses, most bouts. So, like, man, you think <laughs> about, and let's not forget that these guys fought a long time ago. What year did they fight? Uh, maybe 2011, 12, I'm guessing. They fought in 2011, August 14th. 2011, you know what I'm saying? So, man, it's been so long. We're talking about almost a whole decade. Both guys are still in the game. Both guys are still at the top. Still, in, I know Cerrone's kind of on on, a, on the downs, but, you know, uh, still, man, if he can come out here and get a win over Oliveira, I mean, he's right back in there. So I want to see that fight, main event. I mean, Brazil, America, wherever, man. I want to see two guys that are, I mean, the Hall of Famers, in my opinion. I know Charles Oliveira necessarily hasn't, hasn't had the, uh, you know, elite, you know, top five ranking yet in his career. But still, man, this guy's the greatest submission artist the sport has ever seen. Yeah, he really is. And, I mean, look, I'm down with the Cerrone rematch. I think in this day and age, Charles would probably be a favorite this time. And I personally don't want to see Cowboy take a fourth loss, especially inside the distance. Not not counting the guy out. He's a legend. He can, I mean, on, on his right day, on any given day, Donald Cerrone can rise to the occasion and beat most of these guys, but the way his current state, I just don't want to see Cowboy take another L. I'd rather gift the guy a win, but what I do want to see with Charles Dubronx Oliveira, there's a fight coming up between Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. Now, whether it's the winner of that fight or the loser of that fight, I have to see Charles in there with those two guys, especially Poirier. I, I mean, before it's all said and done, I have to see Poirier versus Charles. I mean, Poirier, one of the most exciting fighters in the history of the sport versus the man with the most submissions, the most uh, performance of the night bonuses. I just know it would be absolute chaos. And I know Poirier is in a position where he wouldn't have to take a fight like that. You know, he's number two in the world. He doesn't have to do shit. Former interim champ. But I know he'd be up for the challenge to fight a guy like that. And Hooker versus Oliveira, I think that's a great fight too. So I want to see one of those two. How do you think those two would match up with uh, Oliveira? Yeah, man, that's a good fight. Uh, Dustin got Darce before uh, against Zombie. Um, Charles has been Darce before. Uh, not Darce, but tapped out as well. Dustin's been some black belts. He's been Diego Ferreira. Um, who else? Speaking of some guys, Charles, I mean, that'll be a good fight to see if he could take the uh, the power at Dustin Poirier. And Hooker as well. Hooker brings it. Hooker's got those knees up the middle. Uh, so I, I like that fight, too. Hooker, Hooker's had his uh, moments on the mat as well. I agree, man. So that's something I got to see. Can't wait to see what they do with uh, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And Shaq, before we do this fan Q&A, let's break down the main event 
of Cage Warriors 113 because in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Darren, the dentist, Stewart, he's 11 and 4, and Bartos, the butcher, Fabinski, is 14 and 3. Currently, they got Darren, the dentist, Stewart, minus 200, and the comeback on Bartos Fabinski is plus 170. Well, Shaq, I got to know. You think uh, Bartos Fabinski can bury his head in the crotch of Darren Stewart for 10 out of the 15 minutes and hold on for dear life in those last five minutes and hopefully win a decision? Uh, no, not 10 minutes, maybe a couple minutes. Uh, I mean, look, Bartos is a good wrestler, and Stewart does get taken down in, uh, in a lot of his fights and has gotten submitted in, in the whole bit. It does seem like he's been making improvements, but uh, turns out Duran wins a complete from his skin. <laughs> I mean, look, Stewart's a, he's been getting better, but I still think he's a, a working progress. Uh, but I, I think that at some point, he will touch Bartos in this fight, and Bartos will not like it and probably get knocked out. You've seen what happened when he fought Tractor Prezeris and he got his takedown stuff. The, the fight was <laughs> over uh, shortly after. Shout out to Tractor. Uh, he's, uh, you know, two years USADA suspension. He finally he finally got caught. But uh, <laughs> They caught know. the weasel. <laughs> they finally caught the weasel. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Stewart might get clinched up for a little bit in the early in the early stages, but at some point when he does get that space, he will uh, catch Bartos with some real fast, probably a straight and knock him out. So I'm gonna go with Darren Stewart. I agree with you on this one, man. Look, uh, Bartos Vabinski definitely has a very good ability with his wrestling. He's able to grind these guys out. But if you look at the level of competition he was fighting in the UFC up until he finally took a step up, I mean, we're talking about certified bums gareth mcclellan hector urbina no disrespect everyone's favorite fighter emil meek guys sorry but emil sucks <laughs> emil's getting Emil's cut trash. from the ufc soon sorry guys um he seems like a nice guy but it is what it is uh you know it is what it is now as far as darren the dentist Stewart, i know he had some tough times you know comes in the ufc oh three and one between between all of us it was one and three because he knocked out barroso the first time but uh since that point since he started seeing the mental coach now he's won four of his last five the one loss was a split decision loss to edmund shabazian in a fight where he hurt him badly in that third round now granted i know between the daron win and the edmund fights that he's been taken down you know upwards of 15 times or something like that so he will most likely be taken down here it's just when they get back up to the feet you know, I know Edmund Shabazian was able to hold on uh, for dear life, by the way, Shaq. I know that Deron Wynn was able to hold on, but I'm not I quite mean, convinced. I know you remember that third round. Edmund, Ed, Edmund was looking for every way out. <laughs> I'm not quite convinced that Bartos Fabinski can hold on when it's time for the Stewart to start picking up that, that action, you know, around the round two uh, mark, you know, two minutes into round two when Darren Stewart, uh, when they're both gassed and it's time for Darren Stewart to start throwing those strikes. I'm just not exactly sure how Bartos is going to react. Look. I know Bartos lost to a respected guy in uh, Michelle Tractor Brazeris, but how often do you go? Do you see Michelle Tractor Brazeris? He's only got one knockout. How often do you see Michelle Tractor Brazeris launching people thirteen seconds into a fight? And that could have been stopped with a knockout, but instead they let him get knocked out and choked out. I think he's getting knocked out again here against uh, Darren the Dentist Stewart. So I'm going to go with Darren Stewart to win the Cage Warriors 113 main event. All right, Shaq. Now let's do uh let's let's answer uh some of these fan questions, man. Uh. Remy Brandau says, how are your families and local area coping with the present circumstances? Stay strong, lads. Thank you very much, Remy. Just uh, doing the best we can, man, trying to stay as positive as possible. Hope that, you know, this episode can take y'all's minds off things for just a little bit. Uh, that's the least we can do. So, you know, we're not we're not hoarding toilet paper. We're not doing the whole bit. So, uh, you know, yeah, just trying to stay positive. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Just trying to stay positive and uh just buying time until this thing passes over man so 
you know, that's what we're doing. BizSphere says, what are your guys' general opinions on Bitcoin and specifically its role in online sports betting? It's great. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a nice middleman, you know, especially if you want to keep things yeah. on the DL. It's a great way to go. Bastard. You just got to make sure you pull it out quick yeah, enough. Because uh, they will tax you. And <laughs> fucking, yeah, just don't be, don't be, you know, leave, letting it sit in there. Do not be lazy because uh, <laughs> you might come check it out your account and all of a sudden there's zero dollars yeah. in there. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but if you're swift with it, it's great. Yeah. Jimmy the Drunk says, I hear a lot of NFC mentions on the show. I'm not, fami- I'm not familiar with many fighters from the NFC, so can you give a short list of their top pound-for-pound fighters in no particular order? Um, You got, like, of all time? I guess of all time or current. I mean, of all time, Jared Gooden's up there. Of all time? Forrest Griffin might have fought. Back- For- you talking about all time? You're talking about Douglas, Forrest. Brian Bowles. Bowles Brian Bowles, a Sun Sal. Um... Who else fought in NFC back in the day? Um, Cole Miller. This is, back, this is like Wild Bills. Wild Bills. It was uh, called Wild Bills Fight Night yeah, back then. Bayvon uh, Lewis fought in there. Bayvon Lewis. Um, what are the current Hannah guys? Hannah Cyphers. <laughs> uh, Jared Gooden's really, really damn yeah. good. He's too big to fight in the NFC now, but he was the NFC welterweight champ. Robert King Hale. Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. He's our amateur prospect. Oh, yeah. Jamar, he's, he's very talented. In terms of... Uh, you know who's close to making it to the UFC? That would be Jared Gooden. He's sixteen and four. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, Jabril Malik. Uh, oh, he's an man, amateur. You got to look out for that kid. Hits like a truck. Yeah. All these guys need to turn pro though soon. You know. Yeah, they do definitely. Um, so so keep an eye out. We'll definitely keep plugging them throughout our show for sure. Matthew Drucker says, "I know your favorite. I know your favorite fight of all times. In your opinion, what is the most underrated fight of all time? His." Uh, most underrated fight of all time is Dennis Bermudez versus Matt Grice. Oh, shit. Matt Grice? Yeah, that was a good fight. Man, Matt Grice had that car accident, right? Yeah, he's good, though. Yeah. Um, he might be a police officer. Yeah. Now. Uh, that was a really good fight, man. Dennis got fucking floored and came. That was a great fight. Did they get fight of the night? Yeah. Uh, I'd hope so. Um, yeah, my underrated fight. Um, I like Korean Zombie versus Dustin Poirier a lot. Yeah, that's an underrated one. Obviously, everyone that... Knows me knows my favorite fight of all time is Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia WEC forty eight. Yeah, but I like uh see like okay Dennis Bermuda not not too many people would uh, say that one so I'll say something like I don't know if people remember this one back in the day but it was a fight between T J Grant and uh, Evan Dunham. I oh yeah, they a great got one. fight of the night. Uh, I think it was UFC one. I mean that was a fight. I mean they were in there slugging it out and you know blood was flying up in the air. I mean chunks were literally flying up in the air. Uh, Evan Dunham had chunks lined up in the air. So, yeah, that was an underrated. That's an underrated fight for me. There's a fight that between Charles Oliveira and Nick Lentz, the first one. It was actually oh, a no man, contest, yeah. but that first fight was unbelievable. Amazing yeah. fight. Also, this one's low key. Not too many people know about this, but there was a matchup between Rusamar Palharis and Lucio Linares. And that fight was fucking great, man. They were trading leg lock attempts back and forth. Uh, it was very, very exciting. So, yeah, there's definitely... Oh, Frankie Edgar versus Tyson Griffin. I love that fight back in the day. You remember that... Uh, anyone remember Dennis Seaver versus uh, Gray Maynard the first round? Dude, they were, <laughs> they were hooking that first round, man. They were hooking big time that first round. Yeah, that's definitely one. You guys got to go back and rewatch. Uh, Brandon says... Why do referees feel the need to influence fights, i.e. standing fighters up, imploring them to get busy or work? Why do they care? Their pay is already set. Shouldn't they just call fouls and stop the fight when I'll necessary? You, it's now, uh, who, who asked that question? Brandon. Brandon, um, now it's uh, it's getting to the point where, like, these referees have egos now, man. Like, 
like you know back in the day goddard kind of but he's kind of he's kind of chilled out but now you're seeing like sometimes it's hard for these refs like sometimes it's like the refs making the fight about him and it's like dude like like herzog the other day i thought it was a a travesty what they did with the uh michelle Pereira and the diego sanchez one look okay yeah it was uh, illegal but sometimes y'all, y'all know when you're on the verge of finishing a guy, it could get a little tricky, you know, when he's playing that game, like, oh, am I down or am I not down? And, you know, and, and, and it's like, bro, he was winning the entire fight. He got influenced by Diego. And, you know, I just think it should have been a no contest, not a DQ, you know. Um, or, like, uh, there was one recently, Ankaliyev and uh, <laughs> Ankaliyev and... Uh, Kutalaba. And Kutalaba, you know, that, that type of, those type of things. Or there was some a couple stand-ups this past weekend in Brazil that were a little questionable, too. Uh, Osiris Myra and those guys, man. So well, You know he had the Brazilians yeah, on his DraftKings lineup. I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's sad that sometimes that these guys can't affect the fight. Um, you know, it's just a part of the sport, man. You're going to have to deal with it. I agree with that, but at, at the same time, we can't give all the referees shit because if nothing's no, going not on all. on the ground, you got to tell them work. You got to yeah. tell them to move. If a fighter is getting pounded, no, but on, I'm talking about like getting stood up from like half guard. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I I agree with your point, but uh, you know, when his question is why do the referees feel the need to influence fights? Um, look, if nothing's going on on the ground, you got to tell them to work. If if a guy's getting pounded on, you got to tell them to move. So things like that. The referees need to in, need to intervene and make the action happen, but I think he's probably referring to like. But w- when they start, take, you like, know, point start taking points. And when they get ridiculous, that's a different story. And and I think Mark Otter's chilled out a lot on that stuff. Tommy says, "What was the first MMA fight you remember watching?" His was UFC six between Tank Abbott and John Matua, and he's been hooked ever since. UFC six, man. I mean, so. Basically, the first pay-per-view I watched, like, start to finish, was UFC 88, Rashad Evans versus Chuck Liddell here in Atlanta. But prior to that, I would only catch, you know, a fight between, like, you know, Forrest Griffin or, you know, Rampage Jackson, Dan Henderson, Chuck, Wandy, stuff like that. So the first pay-per-view I watched start to finish was UFC 88. Yeah, um, man... I think uh, it was more so at the beginning of, like, when I first got introduced to it, it was more so just catching fights here and there. Back when they used to uh, put reruns of UFC Unleashed on on TV, you know, back in the day uh, with Vondi and Chuck and Jardine. And, you know, uh, this is back when, like, John Jones was, like, just starting out. Uh, It was, like, I'm in high school here, so maybe, like, 2009, 10-ish, you know. uh, but uh, man, the first pay like pay per view I think I watched uh, from start to finish was uh was one thirteen uh, that was much. But I I was introduced to it before, but like actually like went out and watched it uh, was Shogun versus Machida two, Daily and Koscheck was the uh, co main event Mitrione and Kimbo. It was a big fight, you know. Uh, I know y'all remember when Kimbo. Rest in peace to my boy Kimbo. Uh, was Stout and Jeremy on Stout there? and Jeremy got fight of the night, man. Uh, that was the uh, who else was on there? Um, uh, Alan Belcher finished uh, Patrick Cote that night. Uh, so yeah, I don't remember that Marcus Davis versus Jonathan Goulet fight. Yeah, he uh, knocked him out like viciously. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> so uh, Mr. Blonde says, 
interested in how the diehards stay informed on the talent in these smaller regional MMA organizations that often serve as feeder systems into bigger organizations like UFC and Belly. Often feel like I'm playing catch up when it comes to debutantes. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you have to watch those LFA cards. You know, you'll see if you watch those LFA and the Cage Fury cards and and Titan and all these promotions that are on Fight Pass, then you know those kids that come up into them. You know, you'll you'll be a f- familiar like Casey Kinney. We already you know knew about him. Uh, there's a couple guys, man. Cody Stamen already know about him. Uh, and I'll, and I'm just saying this because I Yanzo, these guys man. are these guys are top fifteen now, and I was saying uh, Jack Hermanson we knew him coming in from uh from Cage Warriors and that promotion of uh, Vanatar FC. This he fought on the same night. Uh, Paul Harez and Emil Mech fought. You know, yeah. uh, he was he was like the co-main event that night. Vittori fought on that card, I think, as well. So uh, yeah, man. Um, you just have to watch those things, but uh, if not, then you know you just have to kind of wiki cap them first, and then and then really look into it. You know, yeah, I'm always trying to see what up and coming prospects are are on the regional scene that are going to be in the UFC one day. And I mean, to take it a step further, just go to whatever your local show is and try to get involved as much as possible because that's a great place to see up and coming talent. So definitely, just immerse yourself is my advice. AFC Bowie says, where's one spot you'd both like to smoke a joint in the world? Um, hmm. On an airplane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without yeah. getting kicked out. Yeah. Uh, man, nah, I don't know about that. Maybe a, like cage shot at a UFC fight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. In New Zealand or Australia. Yeah. Tons like of places. That. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. I'd love to go to Hawaii. But, uh. Really? I love Atlanta. Yeah. You know, I like smoking joints here. (laughs) Blunts, but, you know, we're we're from the (laughs) South. But uh, Dave says, let's do a hypothetical breakdown of the next title fight at 115, which I would think is Zhang Suarez, although if, when, Rose and Andrade fight, winner could get next drink at the fountain. So hypothetical breakdown. I I actually think it's more so the latter, Dave. Uh, I'm going to think it's the winner of the Andrade-Rose fight. I don't think... uh, not saying that Suarez is, is because I think Zhang beats both the uh, both of them, but uh, I just think that Suarez would get hurt. Like I don't know, I just have a feeling she would get hurt. In that. I mean, y'all remember she lost the third <laughs> like, round to Nina Ansaroff, like, right? I think she needs to take one more fight. Um, I mean, look, you did not see the third round against Ansaroff. Um, so yeah, I think. Uh, Breaking news: Tatiana Suarez is not a future world champion. I don't think. So. I don't think. I don't. Not with Zang in the picture. I, I just don't. I just don't see it. But um, I think Tatiana needs one more fight. She's coming off a big neck injury, so you got to go with the winner of Rose and Andrade. And you know, if Rose wins that fight, then boom, you got to. And I know Brian Beller will be happy. It's a, a win-win situation for him and Andrade. If she wins, you know, she can get that rematch. So, look until Yan Zonan or Amanda Hebos comes into the picture. Uh, Wiley Zang is keeping that belt i mean she's not going to lose to any of these old guard people like rose and andrage and tatiana suarez isn't well-rounded enough to hold that belt in my opinion and yeah it may be uh someone will record that soundbite and you know uh, play it back to me uh, if I she agree. ever touches belt but if she ever touches gold but in my opinion she won't and i've thought that for a long time <laughs> yeah, I, you know i think she's had a good run but she's uh, very good she's physical saying in the i'm not even convinced she can be Ilana to be honest um so yeah Ace says, are you guys on quarantine lockdown in your area yet? If so, what are you doing to pass the time? Yes, we are, my yeah, friend. Yeah, we are on quarantine lockdown, man. And 
Uh, what we do is <laughs> we've been playing some catch. Yeah, we, we busting been, out the baseball gloves. Yeah, we've been, uh, man. You know, if anyone does fantasy fantasy baseball, hit me up. You know, uh, we've been getting out the glove. We've been uh, tossing it around a little bit, uh, bringing back some uh, glory days. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun recording this podcast for y'all. Uh, just uh, trying to stay active and try to stay busy. You know, and some uh, some. Uh, some uh, burning down as well. Some uh, watching some fights. Some herbal remedies. Yeah, some herbal um, herbal remedies. BP says the UFC announced a card in Austin in June. Given the recent controversy with judges in Houston, is it too soon to go back to Texas? Nah. Um, thing is, Texas is a big money. Go to Texas at least three times a year. Austin, Houston, Dallas. Texas uh, loves their fights. <laughs> so they gonna. It's just one thing. Be careful in Texas, bro. If he. Don't fade someone like Alexander Hernandez, who's from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, you know, I know people remember the uh, Sage Northcutt T. Balcotti fight back in the day. What about thirty twenty six Bosch? Thirty twenty six Bosch. The CB um, Dalloway fight. Martinez and Ool. Um, some people think Murphy and Lee was a, a robbery as well. Um, Texas is notorious, so just <laughs> just be careful. Just be careful when when it's in Texas. Well, there's great fights there, though. Yeah, great Always. Fight. Hernandez says, I think it's a good time to break out the top fights of all time lists. Um, have some stuff to keep y'all entertained. So he wants to know our favorite moments in UFC history, big or small, something personal to each of you. I mean, I keep going back to it. WC48, Korean Zombie, Leonard Garcia. I remember being in high school. When that fight was going on, I was watching it with a bunch of people that did not give a fuck about the sport. And when that fight was going on, let me tell you, they were all on their feet going crazy. And that is the fight that I will show people that don't watch the sport to get them into the sport. So I'm going to always refer back to Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia, WC48. Says, I want to know what y'all's individual favorite moments in UFC history were, big or small, something personal to each of you. Um, I'd say Dustin Poirier winning the belt in Atlanta. That was that was something great. I mean, just because... You know, I was on him since the the Fightville, you know, documentary, and he fucking built his way all the way up to an interim belt. I mean, hey, it's interim, but still, still a belt. He beat Max Holloway, who was on a thirteen fight win streak. He has a gold belt that says <laughs> UFC World Champion at his house. You know what I'm saying? So, um, just you know, following his come up the entire way, that was good. Uh, another one is. Um, Mm, let's see Henry Cejudo man Just his la His fight with Marlon Marais Man that was spectacular Cause Henry doesn't get A lot of credit Enough credit in my opinion You know I feel like people Don't take him seriously enough At least as of recently You know I mean Think about what this guy Has done his last three fights Guys I mean You've ever seen a run like this We're talking about Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson The guy that You know Hardly <laughs> never loses uh, Then we're talking about Putting TJ down In how many seconds Was it what 27 20, uh, 20, <laughs> no, was it that no it was 40 a, something it was quick let's look it up let's look 50, it up 50 seconds 32 seconds, 32 seconds. <laughs> i was close 32 seconds and then the the, the magic marlon marais fight going into that fight that's what that's what really got this stain for henry for me man because look this guy marlon marais I don't know. Every I just remember how it was before the fight. People were hyping this guy Magic Marlon Marais up to be like fucking Jesus. Like he like oh my god, the second he touches you, that's it. And I felt like man, people were counting Henry out so much in the in the fight to for the fight to go down the way it did. Uh, it was fucking awesome. So that one was a good one as well. Yeah, for me, a couple that come to mind were when Frankie Edgar was the champion, the draw against Gray Maynard. That was an unbelievable fight. I watched that with my dad, but then I actually went my first ever UFC event. I went to Houston, 
with a friend of mine. Um, if you go back and check out the January 1st, 2019 episode of Half the Battle with my boy Prince Ali, uh, me and him went to Houston and went to go see UFC 136, Frankie Edgar versus Gray Manor, the trilogy. So when when Frankie knocked him out, that was an amazing moment. And then uh, Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman the first time. Anderson Silva was untouchable, was doing Matrix shit. And I was disrespecting Chris Weidman to a point. I was like, I was like, Anderson's going to treat this guy like a schoolboy, you know? <laughs> like, who the fuck is Chris Weidman? You're telling me beating Mark Munoz and Damian Maya is going to get you a win over Anderson Silva? Like, I was talking so big about why. Bro, he killed Mark Munoz, bro. Like, Yeah, but Mark Munoz. I, I was like, dude, Mark, Anderson used to kill Mark Munoz. The Filipino <laughs> Anderson used to kill Mark Munoz in the training room all <laughs> the time. House. And do you remember when they had yeah. the bond and then and then Munoz was like, I'll fight Anderson. Yeah, and he fought Leota too. And he got killed by Leota. But, yeah, so. I was under the impression that Anderson was going to walk through Chris Weidman in a way like you guys know how Chris Weidman's looking in current form. He's been knocked out five of six. I thought that's <laughs> I thought that's how uh, the Anderson fight was going to go, right? You know, and hashtag uh, the Joker dominates. <laughs> and man, I gotta say, uh, when Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva, the whole place went silent to a point. Like all the Brazilians left the building right away. Like they didn't even stick around for the new champ to be crowned. And then I remember the new champ was crowned. Then he walked out of the cage, and then I, I walked to the front. And you could see Anderson by himself in an empty arena in the middle of the octagon on his knees crying. It was it was a crazy ass moment. I will never forget ever. So those gotta be uh those gotta be the top ones for me. Gabe says three most shocking upsets to you in MMA. So ankle levers, Paul Craig. Three most shocking upsets. Ankle levers, Craig, just because it was the last second. Yeah. Um, Sarah versus GSP. Sarah and GSP is one. And this one might not have been shocking for a lot of people, but it was shocking for me because I was so convinced this guy was going to win. Uh, Francis for Stipe the first time. I was convinced Francis just touches him one time, and it's a formality. And he did touch him that one time, and all of a sudden Stipe is still there. I was like, wait, guys, hold on. I was like, Francis, wait, no, please. So that was a shocker for me. And shout out to anyone that had Stipe Man, there. I know you can't forget about, at the time, home and uh – Home and Rousey at the time, and I, that was fucking crazy. That was crazy. Uh, I, I was in the building for Bisming and Rockold. Yeah, man, that, that was, was crazy. Crazy. Another one was Rose and Joanna. I mean, at the yeah. time, I was like, "Oh my god, she went out stiff." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, Bisming and Rockold. That that was a shocker at the time. I thought Rockold would run through him again. Um, again, to revert back to it, Wideman and Silva the first time for yeah. me. Yeah, another one uh, was uh, was uh, Paulo Tiago versus uh, Josh Koscheck back Ooh, in the day. You know, one. on uh, it was Paulo Tiago's debut. Koscheck was like already top five. Like they, I mean, back then, you know, the sport was a lot differently. You see guys making their debut and get thrown right into the <laughs> right into the top ten in the world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, man, he fucking hit Koscheck with that uppercut and, and knocked him out stiff. So yeah. Um, that was uh, a big upset at the time. Roberto wants to know, what fighter do you think um, is superior to his opponent yet yet lost to him more than once? So he's talking about, like, uh, you know, Rory versus Lawler. He thinks Rory's the superior fighter, but Lawler beat him twice. He thinks oh, he thinks Max is superior to Dustin, but Dustin beat him twice. And and he also mentioned Newton versus Mo Lawal. So respectfully, I disagree on the Max and Dustin one. And I know Max has had, you know, the title defenses and all these things, but the first time they fought, Dustin finished him right away. And the second time they fought, he beat him 4-1. to one. So I don't see how Max is a superior fighter there. 
I mean, I I think what he's trying to say is tech uh, from a technical standpoint, I guess. But the thing is, fights aren't always fully technical. I mean, you know, yeah, Rory has a nice jab and a nice straight. And, you know, when you look at him, he was supposed to be the champ, you know, his whole way through. But, like, it's about heart as well sometimes, man. And, and uh, you know, what I mean, look, tw- two times they fought in... Look, <laughs> when they got to the late rounds and and when both guys were bloodied up, uh, one guy uh, couldn't 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 keep going. So you know, uh, I think Rory, you know, still has. I mean, not saying that he hasn't had a great career, but I just think that when it comes to you know his uh, his uh, analogies here, I just think Lawler's got more heart than than uh, Rory McDonald and Max and Dustin. I, I disagree with just because I think Max has under the radar always had kind of shaky striking defense um i think it's been i mean we faded him it's like we faded him against dustin and volkanovsky i mean it's been something uh we've been seeing in him. i think he's got a volume uh, and if you can't uh, you know maintain a certain punch volume then he can absolutely break you i feel like that's what his uh best attribute is i don't think it's necessarily that he's this uh I mean, look, he's a he is a world class striker, but I'm talking about when we're talking when he's fighting guys like Dustin and Volkanovski, guys who can also strike, you know, upper echelon guys in the sport. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, Dustin Poy is the number twelve pound for pound guy in the world right now. So, you know, I think uh, Holloway, if he fights guys on that level, Brian Ortega is not on that level. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Brian Ortega is a nice kid, but <laughs> look kids in trouble moving forward here uh not talking about the the jay park thing i'm just talking about who's in the top five of the division at featherweights firstly he's got to catch a fade from zombie and not to mention there's guys like sabid and uh yair around <laughs> and you know uh calvin Qatar's around here sadiq yusuf's on the come up so you know uh i i wish i wish brian the best of luck uh you know uh but i think that max is he he drops his jab hand he successful to the calf kicks i mean he, he's fought a long time max was in the ufc at like 19 or 20 bro so you know like his 10 years he's been in this thing for like 10 years so i mean uh yeah i, I think rory's i mean excuse me i think lawler's better than rory the first time they fought i picked lawler at nice dog odds and the, and the second time i mean let's be honest which guy won a ufc belt and defended it, it wasn't rory rory had his chance he blew it so I, I I think Robbie Lawler in his prime was a much better fighter than Rory McDonald, and I also think Dustin's better than Max. Now the Newton and King Mo one, I mean King Mo doesn't have a chin, man. Yeah. So. <laughs> King Mo is good. He's more, okay. You're more. He's more talented, yes, but that's not what all fight. But yeah, I I I get the angle you're coming at, but uh, um, I'll give you one, even though these two didn't. They they didn't fight twice. Kevin Lee and Ayakenta. But oh oh, that's a great one. Yeah. There, I like that example. Yeah. Kevin Lee and Ayakenta. I think I, Kevin Lee's better than him. Yeah, I get it. It's just the mental shit. It's man. just he's oh man. <laughs> but these guys only fought once. But Fedor and Bigfoot. I think Fedor is better than Bigfoot everywhere. I think you know, man. Sometimes when you catch a fighter towards the end of their run, yeah. you know, shit happens. But I, I feel like uh, I feel like Fedor is a better skilled fighter than bigfoot also ankle live and paul craig ankle live. Only fought yeah i know these guys only fought once but like it's hard to see fights where the worst guy won twice like you don't see that too often yeah good question all right quinn wants to know our cage warriors main card picks uh so dude honestly i don't know any of these guys except the main event and maybe patty pimlet pimlet but we can give a quick little breakdown let's, let's just look at I'm these going with so patty. hold on so let's start nathan jones versus david bear let's look at the odds first 
where are these jobbers at? Okay, so David Bear minus one seventy five, Nathan Jones plus one fifty five. So yeah, I guess I guess I'll go with the Frenchman there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with David Bear. Patty Pimlet versus Decky Decky Dalton. Oh, Patty Patty, is he coming off a loss? Yeah, but he hasn't fought in like two years. Yeah. Oh boy, he oh, lost to Soren Bach in eleven um, in two thousand eighteen. Soren Bach? It's fourteen and one. I guess so. I guess uh, we might be looking at a new UFC prospect here, Soren Bach. Um, I'm gonna go with Patty Pimblett there. A uh, co-main event: Mason Jones, the eight and zero Welshman versus Joe McColgan. Click, click on Mason. Is he training with my boy Jack Shore? Let me see. Let me or see. What, let me see what the odds are real quick. Undefeated Welshman. So Mason Jones is minus four twenty, and Joe is plus three thirty five. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mason Jones by diamond. Since like we got another Welsh, uh, future Welsh UFC fighter, like, click on his record. Here he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Where does he train? He's supposed to fight Danilo Bellardo. Trains at Pedro Basia BJJ. I wonder if he uh, works with uh, our guys, Jack Shore and Brett Johns. I got Mason Jones there in the main event. We already told you we both got Stewart. So hope hope that helps. Don't. I mean, I, I'm severely limited on these Cage Warrior uh, fights. So don't go out there and bet our uh, picks with a lot of confidence if you guys aren't. But uh, we are. All right. Can, uh, Kanye fight says, which MMA fighter would you most like to smoke a joint with, have a uh, drunken bender with, fighter you would most want to do 14 days quarantine with? Also, um, any discussion as to what an MMA fighter's union would look like? I have no idea about the union, but uh, as far as who we'd like to smoke a joint with, Dustin Poirier. <laughs> yeah, Dustin. Um, uh, Holloway. Holloway. <laughs> Diaz. Uh, BJ Penn had all that shit not happen. Prior to I'd all that I'd still smoke one with him, though. Yeah, I'd still yeah. smoke one with him. Um. You know, talk about let's talk about your your life, bro. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man. I've I mean, we smoked some joints with some former UFC fighters uh, in the past. You know, uh, you know, guys that are still out here winning, man. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they it's interesting smoking with them. Uh, I wish we could drop names, but it's not a yeah, good look. Just you know, I just can't drop the names. But um, yeah, good question, man. He also wants to know. Picturing the dream car pay-per-view for the first fight back. With all the fights we lost, what are the best fights we lost uh, in the next few weeks? Man, the uh, one. And Gannou and Rosenstrike? Gannou and Rosenstrike was one. Kanye, uh, another one I was looking forward to was Hione Barcelos versus Cody Stamen at Bantamweight. I mean, that was Hione's chance to, to get in the top ten. And, and Cody Stamen, I mean, the guy's super underrated. I was looking forward to that fight. Um, Walt Harris. Walt Harris was supposed to. Ver, Marlon Vera was supposed to fight. Uh, man, against Eddie Wineland, that would have been a, a good fight. Uh, Mike Grundy versus Maquan. Matt Brown and Baeza. Yeah. Chaos Williams versus Liriano Staropoli. I mean, man, Kopilov was making his return. Uh, Nico Price and Muslim Salikov. That was a great fight. Great fight. Davi Hamosh Sensei Luke and Randy Brown. Davi Hamosh versus Armand Sarukian. There's a lot of good fights that we're gonna miss Edmund out on. My boy, the Golden Boy, we can't even see fight. He's supposed to supposed to get a win over Brunson. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. They'll 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 rebook those. Great question, man. All right, Brendan says, do you always value current form over pedigree when betting? Because he's he's noticed that we are good at spotting a fighter's prime. For example, Poirier or Tisha Torres. 
he was so sure that Kelvin and Max would both win at UFC 236. Yeah, dude, I always look at the current form a fighter is is in because as you know fighters only have a certain um window of opportunity and when they get past that point when they're past their prime if you keep expecting these guys to perform how they used to it's just not going to happen for example and, and this might not be the best example because it was a close fight but joanna Janjacek. now i was very high on her during her championship run but i noticed that she was a bit chinny and was getting dropped by carolina was getting dropped by claudia eventually got knocked the fuck out by Rose Namajunas, right? So when the Rose Namajunas rematch came, that, that's when you accept the fact that, hey, just because Joanna set significant strike records on Carla Esparza and Jessica Panay's face doesn't mean she's going to be able to do it to the new generation. And that's exactly what Rose Namajunas was at the time. And I noticed the chin issues. So just because this girl was incredible a couple years ago doesn't mean she is now. The sport's always changing. So I was able to you know, put my love for Joanna aside and realize her current form, take Rose in the rematch. And then I also took uh, Wiley Zhang when they fought, and I thought she clearly won. And the fact that it's a split decision kind of discredits the win, in my opinion, because now people can be like, well, I got plus 180 on a split decision. It's like, yeah, but I don't think that should have been a split decision. I had it a clear three to two for Wiley Zhang. But the bottom line, back to the point, is you absolutely have to catch their current form. For example, Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, perfect example. So not that Max Holloway's on some decline, not at all, but he definitely fights with a lot of pride. He takes a lot of clean shots to the chin. You saw that in the Ortega fight, but Ortega doesn't have the striking necessary to capitalize. Now, guys like Dustin Poirier and Alexander Volkanovsky do. That's why we were able to bet them both at nice dog odds. So absolutely, pedigree is important because, look, these, these older guys, if they're fighting someone that's never fought anyone before and they're making their UFC debut, yes, the old guys are going to go out there and shine. But when you're fighting a young up-and-comer that has experience, and the, the well-known name is on their way out, you definitely got to be looking at the dog odds and look at their current form. So, yeah, I do agree. I do value form over pedigree, but within reason, right? Because, you know, the, the form has to be experienced too. Yeah, um, yeah, you got to look at current form, how uh, sometimes, man, like the examples he's got up here, Poye and Tisha. Tisha, you know, it was more so... It, you can some some things are more obvious than others you know some things you kind of have to look at trends and see how you know what state like Rafael Dos Anjos is a good example who's kind of a guy on his way out you know he fought tough with uh you know he fought his former champion he comes in 170 beat Robbie Lawler and a couple other guys but then he uh you know he's fought all the best guys we're talking you know uh Covington uh was it Covington first beat him then it was Usman then uh, he got a win in between there, and then he uh, lost to Leon Edwards, uh, all top five guys. But then now coming into the Kiesa fight, it's like, you know, Dos Anjos, it's, it's Rafael Dos Anjos. He's he fighting Kiesa. Kiesa, you know what I'm saying? Kiesa, you know, Kiesa has got a, a, a shaky little reputation going into the fight. And, you know, but Rafael's overpriced. He's minus two. He's kind of on, on the downs. Kind of Tisha Torres, the same thing. Her last fight with Marina Rodriguez, she was still the favorite. She was still going to be the favorite going into this uh, into this next fight with uh, Mizuki Inoue. So, you know, some things... Uh, and but see, but then you got a uh, Poye, for example, who who was uh, at the time when he's fighting uh, Holloway's on the ups. I mean, we're talking about the fight with Gaethje. I mean, y'all didn't see that fight. I mean, that fight was bananas. I mean, guys were in there. I mean, chunks were getting tossed up in the air. Legs were smashed. I mean, uh, what does Connor say? There was a 
broken zygomatic arches. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't, he, he says that shit all the time. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but uh, you know, uh, I think. Uh, I mean, that fight and then the Eddie Alvarez fight. I mean, look, Eddie went into that fight saying that, look, I'm gonna not resign with the UFC and I'm gonna beat Dustin Poirier and get you know get uh and get my new contract. And hey, look, man, they they had a great fight and. And Eddie Alvarez, I mean, look, Eddie is old, and he, yeah, now he's on his way out. But, I mean, at the time, man, that was such a huge win. So, you know, uh, it's just, uh, man, so now going into the Holloway fight, it's like, man, it kind of feel like Dustin Poirier ain't going to be stopped right now, especially against a, a guy coming up a weight class. Like, featherweight and lightweight, guys, is two completely different things, man. Uh, lightweight is the, the shark tank of the UFC. I mean, that's the glamour division right there. So, you know, uh I think that uh, sometimes, man, when it's hard for some people to let go to certain fighters like Joanna Young Jacek or um, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, it's kind of more so, you know, you've seen Car Carlos Condit, for example, against Chiesa, the fight previous to that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, these guys, I know we all love them and we all grew up watching them. Carlos and Rafael and Cerrone now. Uh, I mean, man, we're seeing it all the time, man. All our favorites. Thiago Alves is out of the UFC now. Uh, you know, look at Tim Means, you know, all these guys we we grew up. Uh, well, Jake Ellenberger is gone, you know. I mean, look, this is how the sport works. Uh, there's going to be a day where fucking Jorge Masvidal might be out <laughs> getting ran through. You know, I mean, this is just how the sport works. These guys don't uh, know, usually know when to hang them up. Hopefully they save their money. Um, I mean, for example, uh another guy uh chris weidman i mean look he was a he was a legend now. he was undefeated <laughs> champion with three now, title defenses and, and but now you see where now he's on the verge of losing six by seven of knockout yeah and he will <laughs> and, 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 and guys the, the thing is after this knockout loss he's gonna take another fight and you know what's gonna happen in that one he'll be the favorite there too <laughs> and he'll lose again <laughs> uh i mean look uh you know fucking for example, uh, man, and I'm done, but nah, it's a good question. Great question. Um, yeah, look, that's the fight game. They have a shelf life. It's a real thing. So don't fall too in love with the past accomplishments and try to actually see what current form they're truly in. So great question, Brendan. All right, let's see. Mamba says, do you think a change in camp would help Weidman out or his father time and the athletic ability of fighters now way past him? Good question, Mamba. Same thing what we were just talking about. I think it's more so Chris Weidman was a guy that, okay, let's just say, let's go back to he beats Anderson Silva. He beats him uh, the second time, Vitor Belfort. Okay, but then you take the, the loss to Rockhold. You know, look, how old was he when he beat uh, Rockhold or lost to Rockhold? 31 yeah i mean it's just a it's this is just a fight game man i get it at 31 he probably still feels like he's got some left but you can't forget that wyman's a guy who had an extensive wrestling history you know the body can only take so much and he was a guy that used to get injured a lot too as i remember like uh you know and it's come up to the title uh back when he was fighting you know <laughs> alessio sakara and jesse bongfeld and and all those guys so I think that after he lost to Luke Rockhold, I think that before the Rockhold fight that his ego was getting a little bit inflated. I mean, he fucking beat Anderson Silva. That was such a huge deal at the time. 
and he I just remember him saying like in the pre-fight <laughs> I could only imagine if I lost to a guy like Luke Rockhold <laughs> like he was saying shit like that so you know then he did lose to Luke Rockhold and then you know the Yoel fight <laughs> I mean you know what Yoel does sometimes and that was prime Yoel right there and he got knocked out in Madison Square Garden. He already tried the camp switch, bro. He tried Mark Henry for that fight. Uh, and then uh, and then after that fight, you know, the Gegard Musasi fight, I mean, between you and me, he got finished there as well. I know uh, some people, I mean, that was a win for Gegard, so yeah. TKO yeah, knees. TK, yeah, he TKO'd him. So, uh, and then, you know, he got the Kelvin win. And, you know, and, and uh, so after those three losses, you know, think about where you are. You know what I'm saying? How old is he now at those three losses? Like 32. 32. 32, 33 years old. Okay, so then you beat Kelvin Gastelum in, in Long Island. Now, okay, I, I'm not saying you retire on that because you still are relatively young. Retire but, on that. But, but you, could, you could have retired on that. I mean, you're Chris Wyman. It's not like you, you should ever be hurting for, for for you know for cash to a you know. I buy get it. He's got a big ass house, man, and a big family. Uh, and a big family. <laughs> Never mind. I take that back. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Weidman. So okay, yeah, I get it. You so you got a lot of things to pay for. So keep fighting. But I feel like after the Kelvin the Kelvin fight, he, he I don't want to say he kind of got too greedy, but I think that he probably should have his management should have kept him more so. In the in the middle pack of the division and try to get main event give guys uh, main event shots against them. Instead, he would have to take a pay cut. Exactly. Yeah, but try to get to fifty. You're in the main event. You know what I'm saying? Try to, you know, make up uh, make up the difference a little bit. But I get it. I just think he wasn't that. I just think he never really evolved. To be honest, his striking never evolved. Uh, His chin got progressively worse, and he can't. You know, it's not two thousand. 10 9 where you know that hard-nosed wrestler is gonna you know grind out that decision all the time you know what i'm saying uh now these guys have evolved they can wrestle they can strike and why striking that's really what it is his striking has never evolved he's still got two right feet uh, you know he's slow uh and, and he's chinny now and now he's cloudy on what weight class he wants to be at and He's not uh, admitting certain faults, and, you know, he's kind of delusional. He's saying he's not really been knocked out these fights. (laughs) You know, no one's really never beat me. Before the Reyes fight, he's talking about fighting John Jones. We're like, Chris, wait. I was like, John? John? Like, like, bro, what? What are you talking about, Chris? I mean, look, this is what I think. This is what I think happened. He was 13-0, undefeated champion, three title defenses, running through all these guys. And, look, in the Leoto fight, there were some sketchy moments towards the end of that fight. In the Vitor fight, Vitor had a nice little blitz early on. So we're thinking, man, maybe the right person can capitalize. And Luke Rockle goes out there, and he doesn't just beat him, guys. He beat him down in a way where we thought it was a late stoppage. It should have been stopped in the third, but the but Herb lets it go into the fourth, and he takes all this unnecessary damage. So Chris Weidman's a guy that's not used to losing, and then all of a sudden he loses in such dramatic fashion and then gets the fight with Yoel Romero. He's a big player in um, – making you know ufc legalized in new york and gets this fucking showcase and uh madison square garden you know ufc for the first time in madison square garden all these things and you know if you thought the luke rockhold fight was devastating wait till you see the yoel romero fight that was one of the most vicious flying knee knockouts i've ever seen so after that it's like well what do you do with the guy now they put him in there with gegard musasi he, he takes a quote-unquote illegal knee I, I thought it was legal by the way and then he starts telling the ref, you know, the ref asks him what day it is. It's probably a Saturday because it's fight night. And, you know, he's saying shit like Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, the guy, you know, he's either trying to get a DQ. It's it's bad. He was either trying to get a DQ, which is something he would have never done in his past, or 
his brain was so fucking scrambled that he really didn't know what day it was. So either way, both those scenarios are horrendous. Then you got the Kelvin Gastelum fight, and you guys know Kelvin Gastelum's a really hot and cold fighter. When Kelvin Gastelum's on his game, he can beat a lot of guys. But other times, you'll watch the countdown. He's eating ribs with his family. He's eating pastor. He's, he's doing the whole the well, whole. Go bit. watch that last countdown for the till fight. Uh, that's when I knew I had to bet till. So I was like, yo, I, I see pots of pastor on the counter, bro. Like, you mean to tell me this kid, uh? Didn't uh, have a couple uh, tacos, and uh, and by the way, if anyone hasn't seen, I know why Davis and Figueredo didn't make way for his title fight. Just go watch UFC Destined episode one, and it'll tell you all right there. Yeah, my boy was eating meat <laughs> off the bone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he went back to Sore uh, Para par Brazil, and uh, you know he's having the cameras out there. But you know his uh, family made that feast out there, man, and he couldn't resist. So, so Kelvin Gastelum, he's one of these guys that. You know, he's hot and cold. Like, when he doesn't show up, he'll be smoking weed all camp, eating all the food in the world, come in there, miss weight. And he still went out there and dropped uh, Chris Weidman. It's just, you know, the the fat, uh, the short fat boy. For some reason, he's coming out there trying to fight like Leota Machida, and then he gets arm triangled in the third. But if you think Chris is going to build off that momentum, you're completely wrong because he gets knocked out in devastating fashion against Ronaldo Souza, and then gets knocked out in a way where we've never seen. You see, up until now, he could say shit like, well, I've never been knocked out in the first round. I've only, you know, I've only this and that, right? Well, now you've been knocked out in the first round, bud. So these things don't get better. They get worse. Uh, plan accordingly in his next fight. <laughs> Shark says, how far do you think Gilbert Burns will go in the welterweight division? Um, he personally thinks that he's got a well-rounded game and can hit hard, but his fight IQ is so bad, interesting, that he expects most ranked guys will expose him. I see, I see your angle there, sure. I wouldn't say so bad. I, I think he's a guy that relies on his jiu-jitsu a lot, and he can. I mean, he's a world-class jiu-jitsu player. As you can see, Damian Maya took his back, and you saw the scramble he had to get out of that, so that was super impressive. But uh, he's number six, I, six or uh -huh, six. six. Yeah, he's number six now, I believe. So I do think that maybe... He might not be in the real scheme of things number six because I'm not convinced he can beat a, a Wonder Boy Thompson or, you know, uh, a Jeff Neal. But I think that now it's time where in that middle pack of the welterweight division, let me tell you the guys that you got that are trying to trying to move move up in the ranks. You got Ponzinibbio who's looking to make his comeback. You got Burns who's top six. Kiesa's top seven. Jeff Neal's top ten. And these guys all they 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 all deserve a big fight uh, coming up here next. So I think you're gonna see some variation of matchups between those four. Uh, I'm no, I'm thinking of some other, some other guys that are uh, you know in the mix there too. So you know I think that Gilbert needs to. I think look, I had an idea for his next fight. You know, if Kiesa doesn't want to take the Jeff fight, okay, give him the Ponds fight instead. <laughs> but <laughs> more more like if. Kiesa isn't forced into yeah, taking the Jeff fight. We know he doesn't want the Jeff fight. I think Jeff Neal's getting a big fight. I'm thinking Austin, you know, in Texas. I heard he's looking to get a main event spot. You can, and I know one of these guys is going to get a – can't forget that one of these guys is going to get the Robbie Lawler gift uh, when Robbie decides to take another fight as well. So, you know, uh, I think that Jeff Neal uh, and Gilbert Burns sounds like a good main event in, in Austin, Texas to me. Um, but we'll see. Gilbert's number six now. He's you know he's looking upwards. You know these guys. Uh, they, they 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 knock out the ghost of Damian Ma. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nah, it was a it was a legit win. Um, but you can't. But we also can't necessarily like rank Kiesa's win over RDA and and Gilbert's win over Maya the way we can. 
Look, he got, I'm talking Covington left Maya in a pool of blood and already broke RDA. Usman, the same thing uh, with both of them. Um, then Leon Edwards got in on RDA. Uh, for Maya, you know, he took two fights against Rocco Martin. They're and, out here running <laughs> trains on my boy. I mean, like, like these guys are getting trains ran on them at this point. Like, they, that's what Dane is using Dos Anjos and Maya for. Like, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, I think it's good wins, but are they are these guys really top ten? I know Jeff Neal re- thinks otherwise. He doesn't think so, but Jeff Neal, uh, he, he deserves a big fight. The way he put down Mike Perry like that, he deserves a big fight. MMA Sanders says, name your five favorite prospects, and who do you think is the best striker in the UFC? My five favorite prospects, hands down. And is she considered a prospect now, or a, a, she's ranked? But you, we'll, we'll we'll call her a prospect. Reboss. Um, those two for the females. Um, uh, males, I like O'Malley. Um, fucking Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson. Um, another guy that's underrated as fuck at lightweight is this guy, Demir Ismagula. Not too many people know him. You think he's like 18 and 1 or something like that. He's from Kazakhstan, Russia. He's actually fighting and he's looking for an opponent. He says nobody uh, uh, wants to fight him. So. I don't blame him. Man. <laughs> Joe Duffy saw that name on the contract. He, he went running. He's saying that no one will take the fight. So, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on. It's just a matter if he can get attention. Um, by the way, you heard Maribak Tysonov got cut? Got released. Uh, yeah. Got released. Um, another prospect. Well, listen, I mean, if he's getting outstruck by jujitsu guys, how do you think he'd do against real strikers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my man. god what a travesty guys yeah. ufc know what they're doing relax um man i can't uh, light heavyweight who's some prospects i like crude i guess uh, I don't, uh ryan span keep an eye out for him um there's there's tons of prospects man oh uh, yeah i just i need to see some <laughs> holly on paiva flyway yeah, i love that kid paiva a lot he's fucking awesome i like this kid sean brady at welterweight Sean Brady. He looked really good his last fight. He is good. By the uh, way, you know Ismail Nardiev is no longer with the company too. Uh, he they offered him a new deal, and he said, "Actually, I want some experience outside the UFC." That's, that's smart, 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 smart. I respect that. I'll be back. So, who is the best striker in the UFC? Um, Izzy's up there. Izzy's up there. Listen, Paulo Boracina. He's Paolo, up there. I don't care what Paolo's anyone says. Up, he's like, up there. The firepower that Paulo Costa has is. Just, I mean, he dropped it well, like floored him. Um, that kid O'Malley is really good at, at 135. Good striking. Um, another guy uh, that's uh, more so uh, got a jiu-jitsu background, but uh, Cormier said that uh, in the middle of his fights that a boxer texted him saying that he sparred with him as Hayoni Barcelos. The guy's got some really good boxing. Uh, I mean, these world-class boxers are allegedly bringing him in. You know, he's, he's hitting with both hands now. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know uh, he's uh, another good guy. Uh, who's got some good striking? Uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, his last fight, he put that on display. Uh, um, yeah, man. There's tons of good strikers Dustin in the UFC. Boy, Holloway, Volkanovski's got some good striking. Yanzonan. Yanzonan. Volkanovski, in terms of... Volkanovski is super underrated in terms of striking, in terms of his feints, bro. Like, his point game is so good. Like, you saw what he did to Max, like, and Jose Aldo in Brazil. He's a Volkanovski, man. I can't wait to see him and Zabit. Hisham says, who's the bigger prospect and who would win at the moment between Yan Zonan and Amanda Hibosh? That's a good question, my boy. We were talking about that the other day between you and me. Uh, I have a feeling they might make that fight. I think... 
I don't, I'm going to take you in, but I think it's a tough fight. That would be one fight where I would legitimately be concerned about things. And I mean, Rebos, bro, is is the real deal. I think I hope they don't fight. I hope they keep them on separate paths and uh, and let them fight, you know, when they're both top 10 and in the top five or something like that. Uh, but uh, who would win at this moment in time, man? I can't say. I just think it should be lying picking because i've been really high on rebus lately man i, I know I, I love him i think Jan's top 10 right now but rebus man has been catching my eyes since before this mckenzie dern fight so uh I, I like both of them i got uh yans on in that contest and i would hope that she would but he wouldn't but standing. he knows that he wouldn't be out here talking about no max best season or anything no definitely not <laughs> but if it's dog odds i'm in yeah. you know what i mean he also wants to know he's been listening to us forever and he's curious about who me and you are outside of MMA. What are some of our backgrounds and life stories? You don't have to go too in-depth, but give him a little brief one. My boy, Isha, me, uh, man, you are my boy for life as well. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, my background stories, man, I got a, a tough background. I can't get into necessarily details, but just I'm a normal guy like anyone else who's made mistakes in life. And has redeemed himself and is looking to move forward in life. And, you know, I'm sure Dan is as well. Dan used to be in a, a band, I, th I think it was. Uh, he used to, you know, be on tour and shit. Um, and, you know, uh, now we're looking to, 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 to get into this realm. So, you know, we've all got uh, uh, backgrounds and life stories, life stories. I'm 25. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to get into too much details, but... You know, uh, that's something I guess you could talk to me personally. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents are immigrants. I'm a first-generation American. Yeah. Parents are immigrants as well, you know. My parents are from the great uh, country of Antigua. It's uh, If anyone's seen the Sandals Resort, that's uh, that's where it is. Uh, you know, so, yeah, tropical islands and my, stuff right there. My dad was born in Romania. My mom was born in Mexico. Me and my brothers were the only members of our family that were born in the States. Um, yeah, man. And, uh, just want to be a positive person. want to give back to the community. want to be better every single day. So thank and you very much for your and support. We're out here in Atlanta with it, man. Uh, you know, we, uh, I, I, uh, we actually, uh, was, I was actually born in Texas at first, but we only lived there till I was maybe like five. And then we moved to the, to the great city of, uh, of Atlanta, Georgia. And we've been here ever since. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, lived here my whole life. So Definitely got a lot of loyalty. That's why you'll notice I got a lot of hometown pride for sure. But, yeah, man, um, just uh, always down to talk with people that, you know, are positive, like-minded. And, you know, that's why we don't we don't even get into back and forth with anyone throwing uh, negativity our way. We don't even got time for all that shit, bro, you know. None of that. <laughs> Philosopher K says, can you talk about your betting strategy? How has it evolved over the years and what do you look for to make a strong pick? So obviously the line is very important. Um, and basically what, what I like to do is you scout the matchup yourself. You analyze where you would line it and then compare it to the actual odds. And if there's a discrepancy, that's what we like to refer to as value. Now, if you line someone minus 300, but the the books line them minus 500. Well, there's no value there anymore, right? But if you line something minus 200, but the books think he's a plus 150 dog, well, shit, it's time to move in big time. Or, for example, I thought Yan Zonan should have been like minus 1,200 against Carolina, but she was only minus two something. So we, we moved in big. It just depends on the spot. So bottom line, I would rather take dogs for the most part. Uh, that's where I've had most of my success. But 
I have a saying, do not bet chalk unless it's a lock. Uh, it's easier said than done. Trust me on that. But, uh, yeah, the betting strategy is one to four uh, bets per card. Keep that money management and discipline on point. Don't force things. And, uh, you know, long term, the gains will come. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. You know, how's it evolved over the years? Yeah, I mean, don't bet chalk if it's a lock. It's a it's easier said than done. A good example this past weekend. I don't want to say they got luck, lucky, but the Barzola fight. Look, spots like that where he opens up a pick em and he, you know, he's now he's ending up in the minus uh, two. I think he closed like minus two ten, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, on the fight day actually. So. You know things like that. If you bet it at minus two ten, I mean, you got you got no value. You just want to make sure that all your picks have value. You know, um, yeah. Don't force bets. Yeah, you know, like or for example, um, you know, or certain things like these slight chalk hype jobs, like Johnny Walker. You know what I'm saying? Like Johnny Walker has kind of when you really looked at it. Yeah, I think we both picked him on the show, but I always had a feeling that this guy might have actually been a complete fraud. And shout out to my boy at Wake Forest. He told me uh, the the entire time that, bro, this guy is a complete fraud. I'm telling you. He told me this before the Corey fight, <laughs> and then he bet on Nikita as well. So, you know, things like that. And those and those type of things are always at the at those certain slight chalks, so it is good to take dogs. But sometimes, man, you, you, you know, uh, you got to capitalize on on uh you know i've been noticing lately man you know in these these fights that are like line line minus like uh you know minus 200 let's say minus 250 you know i've been noticing that a lot of them are just straight locks man <laughs> like like uh, another example was rebus i think she opened like minus 225 or something Piva. like that paiva like uh, Carlos Diego for people are like a little sketched on like man should he be that line that high over you know Marcos Pettis or uh, Carolina Mark Dark Taylor yeah Yans on Carolina and it's like I've been realizing that not uh, Megan Anderson it was a good example of that this uh, a couple of weeks ago she was fighting some girl that like had like three fights and I was like bro Megan might need to be minus five hundred here like and that's exactly how the fight so I've been realizing that a lot of them things are just straight locks so yeah and Dane Downey Jr. says isn't there a higher risk betting the less elite even bottom of the rankings fighters if so why do most cappers avoid the main event fights and like the earlier ones so i i see so i'm actually been switching up like i've been actually betting like over the last few months i've been betting more like towards the upper the cards but as compared to like a couple of years ago i was actually more so like kind of looking to stay away from the main event and it's like i you might think a lot of handicappers might think there's an easy matchup on the undercard and it's uh, for example, like uh, an Alan Cruz versus Spike Carlisle or Austin Lingo versus Yusuf Zalal. There's so many, man. Um, it's one every week uh, where you think uh, it's an easy matchup, but it turns out to be, uh, you know, something otherwise. Um, but uh, I think they, I don't, I can't necessarily say the exact reason, but I just think they feel like there's more easier fights on the undercard. There's usually going to be a bum or two on the undercard card where like oh my god for example this past weekend uh, on the undercard there was a fight but that you cashed on marina morose and bueno i saw a lot of people losing on bueno silva taking that and i already could see why because i was doing that a couple of years ago you know they're thinking 
oh my god, Myra Bueno Silva, you know, this power striker, minus, you know, minus 130 against the air striker, you know, I saw videos going into this fight in Rose where people were making, they were saying shit like, uh, it was funny as hell though, I forget the, the two kids' names, uh, they're super funny. Um, oh yeah, I like those kids. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they were like saying shit like, there was a fight where Marina, Marina, Marina Morose threw 150 strikes and landed 10 of them. I'm not even kidding, like that's, that actually happened, like, so I could see why, but shit like that, man. Uh, um, uh, those undercard uh, trap bets, but there are some gifts on the undercard as well. So I can't say uh, just like Piva, that was a gift. Uh, you know, um, there's plenty of gifts on that undercard, but there's also traps. You just got to be selective. And uh, but I, I think like on the main event, they f maybe some guys feel like uh, you know both guys can win. You know, I want to stay that stay away. But man, on the main events are are good to bet on in my opinion as well. So to answer your question, man, because you said, isn't there a higher risk betting the less elite, um, even bond with the rankings fighters? So I get your point, but to counter that, the other guys low rank too. Exactly, and so. and when you're betting the main events, the other guys going to be good too mo for the most part. But to me, it's not about undercard or main card. To me, it's about the value wherever it is because you can take advantage of both spots. For example. On the prelims, there are often spots that people overlook, fighters that people don't know about, fighters that people are counting out. And the perfect example is the one that Shaq just brought up between Marina Moroz and Myra Bueno Silva. This was a great underdog spot and a great undercard spot to capitalize on. And the reason why was because if you had only watched Marina Moroz versus Angela Hill, I understand why you'd max bet any opponent over Marina Moroz because she looks so goddamn bad in that fight that it's like, oh, let's it's only minus 130, Myra Bueno, let's unload. But then you watch her fight against Sabina Mazo where she moved up to 125 pounds for the first time and you saw it's a completely different person so if you're expecting the marina morose that fought angela hill to show up you're, you're just throwing money away and i saw you know a fight that should have been a dead pick em with a plus 135 odds on marina morose i needed to capitalize there and yeah it was less elite fighters but it doesn't matter if there's an edge there take it and a couple years back when we max bet yan zonan at fucking minus 105 odds against kylan curran but pick em against kylan curran yeah, shit like that's because no one knew about it. You know? Exactly, that's that's the point I'm making here. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah, I mean, those are things like, you know, you just type a name in on YouTube. It's simple, and boom, like there. I just saw a couple sidekicks to the head, and I was like, oh my god, she's fighting Kylin. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's good to pay attention to all these fighters coming up, and then in the main events, there's a lot of opportunity there too. I cashed in on uh, Charles Dubronx Oliveira plus 140 odds. I thought that that uh, line was a joke. I know my boy Shaq's been cashing on a lot of under four and a half. Uh, totals uh, on these main events so i think there's opportunity throughout the card it's just uh, about pinpointing that value and spots that people are overlooking I, I hate when i'm on the same side as a bunch of different people that's never a good feeling but uh when i'm on the opposite side like on a marina morose it's always great so i think that instead of thinking about you know less elite more elite let's just let's just look at the matchups themselves the lines the value and take it from there so the pig man says is the Johnny Walker hype train over? And if so, can he bounce back? He is working with Faraz Zahabi, but his defense is looking really bad. And now that uh, we see that he can get taken down after round one, it's not looking so good for him. And he sends us our best from Croatia. Thank you very much, man. Croatia. My boy Igor the Igor Duke. Igor the Duke, man. Shout out to my boy Igor the Duke. Krokop. Krokop, uh, Darko. Darko the uh, Stasic. Shout out to those Croatians, man. Man, Crow Cop is a legend. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, Johnny Walker 
uh hype train is uh definitely over i don't think he'll ever be in the picture and i think it was more so that everyone forgot that this guy had an extensive career before he got to the ufc in which he suffered knockout losses and three uh submission losses as well and uh, you know Sometimes fans, we get uh, captivated by the spectacularness in a couple fights. You know, the Roundtree fight, he hits him with the elbow and knocks him stiff. And it's like, oh, my God. Johnny and then, Walker. And then Johnny. And then, you know, Justin Ledet, you know, who's a complete, you know, I mean, Justin Ledet's pretty much gone um, if he hasn't been cut already. And, uh, you know, he put him down in 15 seconds, I believe it was. And, you know, the Misha Serkinov flying knee, another less than a minute-ish uh, type knockout. But, you know, we still haven't really seen any fundamentals from the guy. We really haven't seen, uh, all we've been seeing is these spectacular knockouts. What happens if he has to get down and dirty in there? And we've seen what happens in uh yeah, and I think Faraz is not a good gym for him. I told you the second this thing, when I heard he was going to TriStar, I did not like this fit for Johnny. I look, I know Faraz is a great coach, and it's nothing against him. I just feel like Johnny Walker, it's not, the coaching wasn't the issue. His coach, if you didn't hear that article, the second I heard that article from his old coach who, who got Johnny to this point, who got Johnny here, you know, the guy that has, uh, took him from his old embarrassing losses out of Brazil to get to this point, the guy that he needs to be with, you know, his coach said, bro, Johnny's ego has fucking inflated through the roof. Like he said, this kid used to be humble. He used to come train, but now he's missing practices. He's showing up late. He's got all these girls. Like he's bringing, you know, girls to the hotel on the, on fight week, the week he's supposed to fight Corey Anderson. If he wins, he's probably going to fight John Jones and he's, Bring it, and the girl allegedly was from Canada, and guess where he is now? And guess what just happened? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I feel like Johnny Walker. Look, okay, let's say he's in Canada now. Let's say he's going to be in Canada now. Apparently, he needs to take an easy fight next. I'm talking uh, Ed Herman. Ed Herman, <laughs> like uh, Mike Rodriguez, uh, Devin Clark, um, friggin'. Paul Craig, uh, you know something along them lines. Cause if you find top ten, he gonna get him. He's gonna get exposed again. His chin is gonna get exposed again. His shitty cardio is gonna get exposed again. He needs to build back confidence. But I don't think Tristar is a good fit. I think at some point he'll end up going back to his old coaches in Brazil and apologizing to them for his actions and how he was acting. Look, this things happens, and they said the same thing happened with Ngannou after he knocked out over him. They were like, the guy just started acting like a dick to everyone. <laughs> like, then it was like, bro, he was missing all his treatments with the PI. Like, he was nowhere to be found. Like, they were like, bro, he didn't even train for this DP fight. <laughs> like, they were like, he was gone the entire time. He goes to France two weeks ago. He was like, bro, Francis is doing an appearance somewhere. Like, we, we don't know where he is. Like, uh, so... I think that's what happened to uh, to uh, Johnny Walker a little bit, man. Too much fame too soon. I like Johnny Walker. I hope he can get it together. He seems like a cool guy. I like it when he knocks people out in highlight real fashion. I was always really intrigued by the athleticism, how spectacular those knockouts were. But, man, you need more than that to hang around at the elite level of any division in the UFC. So he's still a young guy. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back and get it all together um, because he definitely has some physical tools. But it's more than just physical tools in this game, as you know, man. So hopefully he can get it together. Dimitar says, boxing is still on and as... 
a Bulgarian, he's naturally interested in our opinion on Joshua versus Pulev because um, he says, should I bet my house on Joshua to KO my fellow countryman? I don't know about to KO him, but I definitely think Joshua's going to win this fight and get this fight with Tyson Fury, my boy Demitar. Yeah, I wouldn't go crazy, man. Just because I'm boxing, I you never, never know. know but, but yeah, I mean, he should win. He's a minus 1,500 favorite, so best of luck with you. You know, just, uh, hey, this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint, so don't go crazy on one play. Let's just incremental bets to work our way up, and we stack up the cash. We don't win it all in one night. James says, who is the most underrated host of Half the Battle? Shaq Skelly. Shaq. Seamus says, what's some advice when looking for a gym to go to? I went to a gym recently, and the guy teaching BJJ was only a brown belt, which seemed kind of odd oh, to me. bro, you can learn from a brown belt? You can absolutely learn from a brown belt. <laughs> so here's the thing, because I know. I get where you're coming from. You want the guy to teach. If you're just some guy, uh, you know, a, a beginner coming in, you probably want to learn from, like, uh you know, a uh, real black belt, but nah, that brown belt, bro. You could, uh, you don't know who's a, who he's a brown belt under. You could be like a serious brown belt. Yeah, I mean, it's always okay to open up your mind and learn from people that are better than you. I get where you're coming from, though, because you know, when I started my jujitsu journey, I was really strict about who I wanted to train under. The guy had to be a black belt, and not only that, this might sound kind of funny, but he had to be Brazilian, <laughs> because if you talk to like any of uh, I know most of these guys aren't around anymore, but but if you just look up the history of jujitsu and the forefathers, they had such a thing about, you know, well, is he he's a black belt, but is he a black belt under a Brazilian, you know? And I know that sounds ridiculous in this day and age, but I still abide by that mentality to an extent. So I made sure I, I did my research and I found a gym that was nearby with a black belt that is a Brazilian. So that's what I wanted specifically. Now, as far as a brown belt teaching your class, there's nothing wrong with that, man. He... He knows a lot more than all the white belts, so it's definitely good to go out there and learn from him. But it's also important to do your research and find the gyms in your area, test them all out, see which one you're most comfortable with, and see what program you learn best under because everybody has a different teaching style. I've met guys that are, you know, eight-degree black belts. This is an old guy in his 70s, and I didn't like how he taught, man. Like, this is a guy who now he's a red belt, actually. I'm not going to name him, but he's a fucking red belt. There's only eight of those on planet Earth. I didn't like how he taught because he would teach you 10 techniques a class. You can't process any of them, and I just don't like that style of learning, whereas with my current professor, who's a first-degree black belt, he teaches one technique basically per week, and you drill it the entire week so that it gets ingrained into your muscle memory, and then you can apply it when you're out there rolling. So everyone has a different teaching style. You got to make sure you find someone who, you know, fits with uh, what you're comfortable with and what how you learn best. So that that's the best advice I can give. Find a place where you're comfortable with the teammates, with the professor, with the environment, and take it from there. I found my spot. So make sure you find yours, man. Choi B says, Cage Warriors betting most confident pick. Don't have one, man. They they limited my shit to like $12.50 per bet, so I ain't even trying to fuck around with some cage warriors. But best of luck if you do. I think Darren Stewart probably wins, but would I lay chalk on on, on that? Probably not, but I think he does catch Bartos along the way. Hisham said, what went wrong with James Vick, and what would you do going forward if you managed him? Seemed like a good guy with a lot of potential, then hit a nasty streak. Um, I, I think that basically when you're in the deepest weight class in the entire sport and you have some defensive flaws, you might be able to get away with them when, you know, you're fighting the top 30 guys on planet Earth. But when you start cracking that top 15, these guys will capitalize. And if you haven't evolved, 
you're going to get figured out. Now, with James Vick, people forget, again, back to a previous question we had about knowing a fighter's prime and all that stuff. James Vick was at 1.9-1 and in the UFC. That's 10 fights in the UFC banner. So he's not getting any younger, guys. He's getting a little bit older now. Not that he's that old or this or that, but like with his fighting style where you take a bunch of clean blows and keep walking forward and then deliver some of your own, you can only take those shots for so long. And when you're fighting guys like Justin Gaethje, Dan Hooker, and Nico Price, they will capitalize if you haven't patched up that hole in your game. So I think it was partly that. I think there's some other things behind the scenes. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a good guy. And um, I hope that he's still able to make money uh, in this sport, whether it's with the UFC or someone else or maybe take lesser-ranked opponents. But bottom line, I hope that uh, he can uh, keep uh, ca- uh, you know stacking up those uh, those paychecks. Yeah, you know, I think that Vika was a little bit of an overachiever. I don't think that coming off the tough show, uh, people ever thought that he would, you know, reach the top 10 or anything like that. I certainly didn't, but he did. And I think that, you know, exactly like what you just said, he never really corrected the defensive flaws. He would just eat the shots and keep moving or and the competition level. So, yeah, and I think that after the Gaethje fight that he kind of mentally kind of checked out a little bit, I think, uh, you know that was his big fight i mean they were talking so much shit before that fight and it was kind of he kind of put himself in a spot where he had to win that fight and you know uh things otherwise but i still think vic's exciting i still think people would pay him to fight so you know uh, he's exciting so rob waddell said what fighters uh, would benefit from camp changes i know we were talking about one recently who was it again that needs to change camps um i think they already got cut it was either uh Pudalova or something. <laughs> Pudalova. Yeah, she's gonna need more than a camp change yeah. there. She need to get out of wherever she is. Um, All the people uh, that are surrounded by yes men need need changes. Um, it was Mark De La Rosa, but he don't matter. Like, Jordan Espinosa. Yeah, Jordan Espinosa. Um, uh, yeah, I said him. Uh, De La, but unless they can, unless they want to fight each other. Um, we're gonna have to come back to this question later because there was some good ones. I just can't think of them yeah, at the moment. But great uh, question, man. Thank you for for asking that. Seamus says something I've wondered how much you guys make from betting and how much of your total revenue comes from betting. I'll, I'll, I'll happily answer that off air sometime. Um, Benedict Braun says do a cage warrior special. Uh, hope uh, hope this, uh, you know, suffice somewhat. Yolo said, can you each rank the champions from worst to best? Sure, that we can do. Let's pull up the rankings. All the champions from worst to best. Holy shit. All right, well. Damn, fuck. It sucks calling one of these the worst, man. These are some fucking serious champions, huh? <laughs> it's it, it's hard to say the worst, man, because they're all so awesome. There's nothing against her at all, yeah. bro. Like, I'd Jim, say Stipe. Like, <laughs> I see my girl. But that's disrisrespectful. Yeah, you can't say H- how about How about we do this? How about we name the top five UFC champions? Because I don't want to call any of these guys the worst. Let's do a top five. So let's see. Jones, Habib, probably Nunes. Bro, bro, my boy Sohudo gotta be third. And um, then Stipe. You gotta honestly gotta yeah, Stipe, Stipe, just cause he just got his belt back. All right, so Jones, Habib, Sohudo, Nunes, and Stipe are probably the top five, even though it's really debatable. But uh, yeah, man, good question. Sohudo had two belts, so. Yeah, and, and the Olympic gold medal. Don't 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 forget about that, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for your questions. This was an absolute pleasure to do. Uh, we hope to do this again soon. Hopefully, we can do a fight breakdown soon because we want the fights to come back ASAP. Uh, 
it's only been a couple days but it's been too long you know what i mean Shaq? so we want to get back to it man so follow Shaq at mma genius 05 on instagram at Shaq bfp follow me at best fight picks on twitter our official instagram is best fight picks official you can subscribe to half the battle on itunes soundcloud youtube stitcher spotify anywhere that you can find podcasts we are available hit that subscribe button hook us up with a five-star review we really appreciate it uh, you can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com but probably not going to be any bets until ufc 249 hopefully we're wrong and this shit passes over we can get back to it next week but it's looking like not till 249 so go to bestfightpicks.com for that again thank you guys very much for all your support we truly appreciate it we love you guys and until the next time let's cash these bets <laughs>